Lord's house so far. Amen? Amen. No one will listen to me. <laughs> Amen. I'm too nervous. I don't know what to say. I don't want to be a bother. I don't have the time. Someone else will do it. I'm too young. I'm too old. It's been too long. I don't want to offend someone. These are just some of the excuses, some of the reasons that people give for not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost world. There are many more excuses that people may give. Some of those excuses I've used. But that's just a small fraction of the excuses and reasons that people give all across the world in Baptist churches all over the country, all over the world. Those are just some of the reasons that people will give for not obeying the command given to us from the word of God. To preach the gospel to every creature. The common denominator in each one of those excuses is the word I. I can't do it. I don't have time. I'm too young or I'm too old or I don't want to offend someone. Soul winning, sharing Christ, people call it gospel sowing, witnessing, outreach, whatever you may call it. It's not about you. It's not about me. Let's look at our passage, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at verse 16. It says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. Thank God, man, thank God for the light. The light of the world is Jesus. Amen? And thank God we saw, you know that old song, I saw the light, I saw the light. We haven't sung it. We should do that for a special one of these days. But listen, thank God that you saw the light. Thank God that in, your, in the darkness of your life, when you were lost, that the light shone through to you. There's no darkness black enough that the light of Christ can't break through and shine. Thank God the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. Look at verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Could you just imagine hearing Jesus Christ preach? Every time I, I, I preach a message with a parable in it, a parable from the Gospels that Jesus told, I just picture and think, Man, I am not doing this story justice. I'm just not. To be able to hear Jesus tell those stories, what an incredible thought that is. Every time I preach, Jesus could have told us so much better. But he said, he began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 18, and Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus knew that they would be there that day. Jesus already knew in his mind that he was going to meet Simon and he was going to meet Andrew. He knew it. He knew it when he, when he began to walk. Probably that, that morning when he woke up, he knew he was going to find these people fishing, these fishermen, these stinky fishermen, this dirty job. And he went there. 
and found them. Thank God that he found us in our uh, stinky, dirty life. Amen? When we were lost, when we were without Christ, he came to me. He came to you. Amen. Amen. Thank God. He knew that they'd be there. He knew where they'd be. He knew uh, where to go. In verse 19 he says this. And he saith unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers. Man, you see, it's not about us when it comes to soul winning. When it comes to reaching a world uh, with the gospel, it's not about our power, our strength, or our ability. It's about Jesus Christ saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. And in verse 20, it says, they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother in a ship with Zebedee, their father mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. They listened to the voice of Christ. Even with their father right there working probably at the business that their father started. And Jesus said, follow me, and they followed him. Immediately, they didn't waste any time at all. They immediately began to follow Jesus Christ. Verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. It's a great verse to look at how Jesus helped. Jesus helped uh, mentally by teaching in their synagogues. He helped spiritually by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He helped even physically by healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And even socially, he was among the people. Jesus helped in any way. Any way that was able to help, Jesus did it. In verse 24, And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, on and on. And he healed them. Whatever the problem was, he took care of it. He was the answer. And even in your life, and this isn't the message, this is just an uh, introduction. Even in your life, whatever the problem may be, Whatever it is, there's a whole long list in verse 24 of all these different things. Whatever it is in your life, all across the room, different struggles, different trials, different problems, different heartache, Jesus is still the answer. For whatever it may be, he is the answer to every problem. He is all that really matters. Our thought today is this. Each one, reach one. Each one, reach one. Each of us, everybody in this room, is capable through the power of Christ and his gospel to reach somebody. Let me read that again because I want you to hear it. I want you to believe it. Every one of us in this room that's under the sound of my voice from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest saved to the, even saved 60 years, every one of us are capable through the power of God and his gospel to reach somebody. Every one of us knows someone, everybody here knows somebody who is in need of the truth, hope, and victory found in the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We all know somebody, family, friend, co-worker, we all know somebody. Hell is real. Hell is real. Have we forgotten that hell is a literal place as real as Jackson, Michigan? Hell is real and people are going there. 
Listen, how many people do we need to hear about slipping into hell for us to get serious? How many news reports do we have to watch of wickedness and evil all across the world in this country for us to start getting serious about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many families have to be broken? How many stories do we have to read of orphan children whose parents abandoned them or overdosed or left them or whatever it may be? How many people have to take their own life for us to finally get serious about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world what else is it going to take for us to get serious how many churches have to close their doors listen if people are getting saved churches are going to be getting filled up churches close their doors because nothing's happening this is our duty this is our mission each one reach one so what can we do what can we do how can each one reach one? I want to give four steps today. Four steps guaranteed to stir your heart for souls once again. I have no doubt that in this room, wake up, buddy, wake up, sit up, sit up, sit up. Thank you, sir. I was talking to the owl. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no doubt, listen, I have no doubt that in this room, there is somebody whose burden for lost souls has waned a little bit has diminished. I, Brother Ian, I've been there. You get so busy with work, with family, with life. You get so busy even with the ministry that you lose focus of the main goal. Lost people finding Christ. Lost people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the main goal. That is the main thing. I have no doubt that someone today your burden for lost souls has diminished. Maybe you've never really had a burden for lost souls. I want to give you four steps today, and we'll be, we'll be done shortly. Four steps guaranteed to stir your heart for souls once again. Number one, number one, how can each one reach one? Number one, look back at when God saved you. Look back that when God saved, think of that word saved, when God saved you. King David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. One of the best ways to stir your heart about sharing the gospel with a lost world is looking back at when Christ saved you. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Look at this verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. It doesn't matter if you were saved at 4 years old or 40 years old. We all have a, had a, have a sin nature. We've all been lost at one point in our life. Nobody here was born saved. We are all sinners. 
We were all born on our way to a place called hell. And it says some of you do have a testimony of a life of sin before uh, uh, you got saved. And it says we all had our conversation in times past. But verse 4, but verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We were all lost. We were all undone. We all had no hope. We were all on our way to a real place called hell. But thank God, thank God we found Christ. Hey, Christ found us and we got saved you all, all the stories are different for me I was an 11 year old boy at Pioneer Valley Baptist Church in Westfield Massachusetts pastor Jerry Cleveland and I had grown up in church I knew the gospel I'd been to the camps. I sat through every service I knew about salvation and I'd already even been baptized I'd made a profession of faith but in my heart I knew I was lost I was lost. Listen, I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't living a wicked lifestyle. I was 11 in a Christian home. The worst thing I did was, I don't know, I was a pretty good kid, actually. <laughs> but I was lost. I was lost on my way to hell. I'll never forget, I don't even remember what the pastor preached on. I was running the cassette tapes in the back, the recording device in the back of the auditorium, and I had to flip the tapes if he went too long, and he usually did. So I had to flip the tapes and record, and I remember at the end of that service, the invitation came. It might not even have been a salvation message, brother, but I knew I was lost, and I was sick and tired of being lost. I knew the answer. I knew the truth. And as an 11-year-old boy, I remember, I, 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 by myself, my hands were all clammy and sweaty. I started to get... And I went up to the altar, knelt down by myself, and asked Christ to save my soul. I'll never forget that day. As long as I live, I got saved. And if you stop for just a moment, if we stop uh, with all the busyness of life, and with all the stress of life, and with everything going on, and we stop for just a moment and think about that moment when Christ saved us, when Christ delivered us, when he reached down for us, and lifted us up out of the miry clay and set us on that solid rock. When we stop for a moment and think about that, I would be shocked if that didn't stir your heart to tell somebody else, to give somebody else that hope, to give somebody else the truth, to let somebody else uh, have deliverance. Look back at when Christ saved you. My goodness, folks. Look back at when Christ saved you instead. Instead of looking at the world, and yes, we're all guilty, but instead of looking at the world in disgust and with shame, and oh my goodness, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they would live that way. I can't believe they would commit that sin. Instead of looking at the world with those eyes, we can look at them and say, that was me. I was lost. I was on my way to hell. Listen, don't look at the world with disgust, with hatred. In a, in, a, in a disgusted way. No, you can look at a lost world and say, that was me. I was lost. I was on my way to hell. Look back. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. 
Hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Do you remember that moment when you got saved? Do you remember that moment when you got saved, Miss Carol, nodding her head? Hallelujah for salvation. Think about it. How can you stir your heart? Look back at when Christ saved you. Look back. Look back and remember. Would you go to Matthew 9 with me? Matthew chapter 9. How else? Look back at when Jesus saved you. Let that stir your heart to tell somebody else. Don't be selfish with the gospel. Matthew 9, verse 36. Matthew 9, 36. Jesus, uh, this is about Jesus in verse 36. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Number two, how can each one reach one? How can we stir our hearts to share the gospel? Number two, look around at a lost world. Not just look back at when Christ saved you, but number two, look around at a lost world. Just look around you. There are lost people everywhere. Everywhere. Brother Jeff Becker told me several years back, we were talking about soul winning, and he said, you know, every single person that we come into contact with, every single person, whatever they believe, it doesn't matter. Every soul that you come into contact with is heaven or hell. I don't care if they're Buddhist. I don't care if they're atheist. It doesn't really matter what they believe. We know the truth. So every single, every living soul that you come into contact with, Brother Jared, it's heaven or hell. Heaven, there's no in between. There's no other options. Heaven or hell. At your job, at your school, your teachers, your friends, our families, heaven or hell. That is the reality of the situation. It's not difficult to realize, if you really stop and think about it, and you really stop and look around, it is not difficult to realize that we are surrounded by sheep having no shepherd. Lost people, no hope, no leading, no guide in life, looking everywhere for peace, looking everywhere else for hope, but in Christ. Look around at a lost world. Think of the word lost. We use the word lost if you're saved or you're lost. Think of that word lost, not knowing where to go, unsure of your surroundings. Not knowing where you're headed. Uh, listen, I, I hate getting lost. Ask my wife. When we're, I, I hate getting lost. Brother Ian, you ever been lost before? 
Yeah, it stinks. I hate it, man. You know, before the, uh, you know, we had, before the iPhones, it's amazing to think that I was a, uh, around and driving before iPhones were a thing. But I remember when they finally, like, put the GPS in the phone. I was like, this is so cool, man. We used to have the Garmin. You ever had a Garmin before, the old Garmin? Yeah. I feel kind of old. I, I feel like we're connecting, you know. This is good, so. But I hate getting lost. I hate getting lost. Before I had the Garmin, you got the MapQuest, you know, or whatever it was, Google Maps. And you, and you just, man, it, it's frustrating. Isn't it frustrating? Don't act like when you're lost, you're like, well, this is just I being in the way the Lord led me. Okay, no one does that. You get annoyed when you get lost. It's frustrating. I hate getting lost. You're going to be late for whatever you're trying to get to. You might run out of gas. You're, you're uncomfortable with your trying, like I said. You don't know where you're going. It, it's frustrating to be lost. But just imagine, listen, praise the Lord, as far as I can tell, in a room this size, most of us know Christ, we're saved, we're not lost spiritually. But imagine being spiritually lost, not knowing where to go. We talk about God's will. A lost person, they're not, they don't care about God's will, they're just going, they're just doing whatever. Not knowing where to go. You know, we talk about being late when you're actually lost in a, in a vehicle. Imagine, you know, as a lost person, it, it's going to be too late one day. It's going to be too late one day. Not sure of the future. You'd run out of gas with your car. It's frustrating. You know, when to, be, to be spiritually lost. So often we talk about trials and temptations that we face and how we can lean on Christ. When you're lost, who do you lean on? Who do you trust? A bottle, a pill, a relationship? Oh, imagine being spiritually lost. Let that stir your heart. Look around at the lost world around you. We have hope. We have the truth. We have that, and they don't. They don't have a guide. They don't have hope. Look around at the lost world. Everybody knows. Everybody knows... Uh, our little Sethy. We love little Sethy. Sethy's a maniac, isn't he? Miss Leonard knows. He's always looking for her to get that lollipop every single week. I remember one time a few weeks ago, I, I didn't notice she was in the lobby. So I grabbed Seth to walk him out, and he's, he's pulling me out. What is this kid's problem? And Miss Leonard noticed it. I didn't. And he's trying to get to Meemaw, and I'm not letting him do it because I didn't know. I bring him out to the car, and he's, he's going, I'm like, what is wrong? And Miss Leonard came all the way out to the car and said, you didn't let him get a lollipop. She gave him a lollipop. And we love Seth. Seth is just incredible. He just is. He's an adventure. He turned, he turned four this past January, and uh, he's fun. And I know, I know that the people of Loomis Park Baptist Church love my little Seth. Amen? Amen. Amen. You love. I know you do. Well, about two weeks ago, um, we've been, Seth has been in speech therapy for about nine months, and uh, I haven't really seen much success with that, so they, they told us to uh, try some other things. And two weeks ago, Seth tested positive uh, for autism with high levels of ASD symptoms. And, and that's a very broad spectrum that all of that, uh, when it comes to autism, there, there's high levels, there's moderate levels, there's low levels, and, and uh, they explain a lot about it. And, and he, you know, Seth, if you know Seth at all, he doesn't talk much, he doesn't communicate much, he communicates uh, by taking you and leading you somewhere. Uh, well, he says, says please once in a while, we know that. Uh, but you'll see him flap his arms around, and, and, and uh, you know, all, that, that's all part of autism. Sensory overload is what they call it, where all the senses are just 
man, expanded in an incredible way. His eyes, uh, even light, loud noises, all those different things. And it's part of it. And really, uh, I'm not saying this at all uh, for anyone to feel bad or to, to say sorry. Please don't say sorry. Uh, this is part of God's will for our life. And we're excited about the journey uh, we get to take with our little Seth. And uh, that God would trust us with a child with autism. It's, it's exciting to us. And, and we're looking forward to how the Lord's going to use this in our lives and in other people's lives. Uh, but maybe many of you probably know a lot more about autism even than I do because we just uh, really found out about this. Um, there's many different symptoms. One, one of the symptoms, though, uh, is something called eloping. Uh, and it's, it's kind of another word for wandering. Uh, Seth... Uh, when a kid gets, when, when a typical child gets lost in a store, uh, usually right when they realize they're lost, they start getting nervous. That's how I used to be freaking out. Where's mom? Where's dad? Uh, eloping, a child with autism, they don't really care if they're lost. They don't really even notice it. They can walk away from the parents. They can walk away uh, uh, even in the yard. There have been times when we can look down for two seconds and Seth is, is down the hill to the playground and, and, and he doesn't even realize that he's gone, um, which is why we have to, you know, keep an eye on him. And, and they just wander and don't even realize it. Don't even realize that they could be potentially be in danger, not being with their parent, with their guardian. And so uh, I'm going to always, always try to keep a close, close item, whether at the mall or the store, even in the backyard. Uh, we want to always, our, our, our lives are constantly, uh, with all of our kids, but especially with little Seth, always saying, okay, where's Seth? What's going on? Where's he at? Okay, we've got to make sure. Hey, Seth, come back here, buddy. Holding his hand, guiding him along so he doesn't wander off. We want to keep him safe. Why do I do that? Because he's my child. I love him. I care about him. I want him to be safe. And by the way, uh, I want our church to know and, and, uh, that, that even with all this, and I hope no, no one here is feeling bad. or uh, We're trusting God with all this. This is his will. And Actually, I'm wearing blue today. Today is Autism Awareness Day, which is why I'm wearing blue today. And, uh, so, but when he wanders off, Listen, we, we don't ever want that to happen, so we're going to keep an eye on him. We're going to guide him because we love and care about him. And folks, as Christians, we are surrounded by wandering people. People that don't even realize that they are lost. They don't even realize that they're lost. They can walk around this life without Christ, working a job, making decent money, raising a good family, having morals, and die and split hell wide open. It is our job to guide them, to help them, Brother Ian, to help those people in Quincy that don't even know they're lost. They're wandering around looking for, for the right thing, but in the wrong place. They're looking for peace. They're looking for hope. They're looking for success. They're looking for joy and happiness. And they try to make money. And they try to get a job promotion. And they try to have a family. And they try to live the happiest life they can. But they will never have Christ. They'll never have true joy without Jesus Christ. Which is why they may not know their loss. That is why we go out and tell them. That there's hope, there's an answer, there's peace. We're guiding them. They may not even want it. There are times when I'll try to guide, and he doesn't want to. He doesn't understand what I'm doing, but I know. 
And there are a lot of people that you may try to witness to that may seem like they don't want it. And listen, we know that we can't uh, overpressure and turn someone away from Christ. But I'll say this, don't give up. Don't just say, well, you know what? Forget that. No, no. They don't realize it. There's no, you can't expect a, an unsaved person to act like a saved person. There's no, there's no Holy Spirit saying, no, you, you, listen, you do your part. Look around at a lost world. We have the way. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Listen, look around at a lost world and see the need. See the need. Look back at when God saved you. Look around at a lost world. Really, with, with the eyes of Christ, look around at a lost world and see that there's people all around you who are lost and they don't even know it. Let that stir your heart. Number three. Can we go to Matthew 14, just a few pages over? Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. Verse 14. Matthew 14, 14 says this, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And by the way, if you study that word moved with compassion in this passage right here, it literally means a sick feeling in your stomach. So incredibly burdened that you can feel it, physically feel it. Literally moved with compassion toward them and healed their, he healed they're sick. Number three, how can each one reach one? How can we stir our hearts to share the gospel? Number three, love people like Jesus loves people. Love people like Jesus loves people. He went forth. You know, in this passage, he had just caught word that John the Baptist had died. His friend, his co-laborer, he had died. And Jesus was tempted in like fashion as we are. And Jesus' heart was broken. You can see it in verse 13. When he heard of it, he departed then by ship into a desert place apart. And, and if you look at it, if you study this passage, probably to get alone and to mourn. He went to a desert place, and when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot. He couldn't get away from the people. They followed him. Even in, even in that time of brokenness. In verse 14, it says he went forth. And he saw... The multitude, the great multitude, and he was moved. He wasn't frustrated that they followed him. He wasn't annoyed that he had to talk to them again. He was moved with compassion toward them. So much so that he could feel it in his own stomach, that burden. Have you ever, have you ever read a story or met someone with a troubled life and it was so troubled that it kind of made you... You ever had that feeling before? When you're talking to someone and they're talking about maybe their life and what they went through or what they're going through. And it's so heartbreaking and traumatizing that even yourself who's not going through it, you say, oh man. You can feel it physically like, oh, you're just so uh, almost uh, physically drained for them. 
That's Christ in this passage. He looked at the people, the lost people, sheep having no shepherd, no guide, and he was moved with compassion toward them. He healed their sick. How can we stir our hearts? Love people like Jesus loves people. Jesus was the son of God. He was. He was the son of God. But like I said, he was tempted like we were. Listen, God loves us, so, so obviously Jesus loves us, I know. He loves us. But when he saw a need, he, he fulfilled it. When he saw a problem, he loved people enough. When he saw a blind man, he gave sight. When he saw a crippled man, he gave strength to walk again. When he saw a boy possessed with devils and a broken-hearted father, he took the demons out. He gave victory. When he, when, he sees, when he saw a dead man, Lazarus, he gave life. When he saw a need, he fulfilled it. When he saw a problem, he gave a solution. Why did he do all those things? Why? I'll tell you why. Because of love. He loved that, those people. He loved that blind man. He loved that little demon-possessed boy. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the lost people that we're surrounded by. Beyond all that, listen, it's, it's incredible to think about Christ and what he did for us and what he's done for us. He knew that this world would be wicked. He knew. He knew that we would sin. He knew that Pastor Donald would disappoint him and sin and disobey his word. He knew all that. But because of love, he went to the cross, despising the shame, took upon himself the form of a servant. He was beaten. He was mocked. Had his beard ripped from his face. He was spit upon. He died for me. Why? Because he loves me. He loves you. That much. Knowing we would disappoint him. Knowing we would sin. Knowing we would make mistakes. Knowing we would mess up. Knowing we would hear the truth and sometimes reject it. Knowing we would have the commands of the word of God and disobey them. He knew all that would happen. And he still went to the cross because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because he loves us. He loves us. Who do you love? How, how do you love? Brother Ben preached a great message a few weeks back about having God love. Not just who do you love, but how do you love? Do you love with the love of Christ? Looking beyond the exterior? Looking at the soul? Love people like Jesus loves people. Jesus saw the woman caught in adultery. Everybody getting ready to stone her and kill her. And people like to use that scripture. I know, I know they like to use it to say, well, we shouldn't judge people. But we know the truth of the gospel when he said, go and sin no more. But you know what? He loved that woman. He loved her. He cared about her. Who do you love? Who do you care about? Is it just your family? And we should love our families. I love my family, I love my children more than anything, my wife, my children. But what about, what about your co-workers? What about your friends at school? Hey, what about the, the, the bagger at Polly's Country Market? You love him? What about the gas station attendant? You love, you love her enough to give them hope 
Enough to give the cure for the sin-sick world? Enough to give a dead person life found only through Christ? Love people like Jesus loves. Look, look past the sinful exterior and see a soul that is in need. How can each one reach one? Look back at when Jesus saved you. Look around at a lost world. Love people like Jesus loves people. And number four, can we go to Mark 16? We'll be done. Mark 16. Mark 16. Number four is this. How can each one reach one? How can we stir our hearts to share the gospel? Number four, by simply just let it be known. What is the it? The gospel. Let it be known. Let it be known. Mark 16, verse 15 says this. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 20. What did they do? They went forth. And preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. You see, it's not about you. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Number four, how can each one reach one? Let it be known. Yes, it comes by looking back. And when God saved you and getting stirred. It, it, it's about looking around at a lost world and realizing there is a need. So with that excitement about our own salvation, we look around at a lost world and say, oh, there's people that need salvation. And then loving like Jesus, we love people like Jesus. Well, people say, okay, I have the answer. I'm saved. I'm, I love this person enough to tell them about the gospel. And then that's why number four is just simply let it be known. Then do what you're supposed to do. Let it be known. Go out wherever you go, whether it's your job or your school, even in your family, and let it be known. The truth is somebody... Let it be known in your life, maybe a mom or a dad that brought you to Christ, maybe a soul winner. Brother Ian talked about his testimony in jail, how he, was re he had a brother that was praying for him. Was, there a, was it a Bible study at the jail when, he, when you uh, found out about the gospel? We all have different stories, but somebody let it be known in our life. I was saved. I grew up in a Christian home. But my parents were reached through some neighbors in Alabama. When my dad was in the service, living in, 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 in uh, Fort Bennings, Georgia. Sorry, Fort Bennings, Georgia. I believe it's Georgia. And their neighbors were Christians. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't look at my dad who smoked cigarettes and they probably drank and, and, and did this and that and say, oh, oh. And they also didn't just say, you know what, you, you're a wicked person and you're on your way to hell and you need Christ now, you stinking heathen. They loved my parents. Bruce and Dottie was their name, older folks. And they had them over for dinner. And they invested in this, that young family. I wasn't even born. I think I, I was in my mom's stomach. So I lived in Georgia for a little while. But they reached out to them. And as time began to go on, the opportunity came for the gospel. My parents got saved. And then when my dad was shipped off to Germany... We went with my dad to Germany, lived on base there in Germany. And you know what? There was a missionary named Chuck Sly who was a missionary to the soldiers. 
and my newly saved father, my mom had been saved as a teenager, just didn't live a Christian life, but my newly uh, 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 saved dad and my mom, who they were trying to get back to the Lord, here's this missionary, Chuck Sly, at this base, this army base in Germany, and what do we do? We started attending church. Somebody let it be known. I thank God for Bruce and Dottie. Without Bruce and Dottie in my parents' life, I probably would not be here today. You see, it, it goes full circle. You look back, I don't, whether your grandfather was great, you go back, there's, there's a time when somebody decided to get out of their comfort zone, to get away from the easy part of life, and let it be known. And that's why you're here today. Let it be known. Throw all the excuses away. No one will listen to me. You don't know that. I'm too nervous. It's not about you. I don't know what to say. The Bible tells you what to say. I don't want to be a bother. Would you rather be a different kind of bother and send someone to help because you didn't tell them? I don't, want, I don't have the time. Well, if you're too busy to reach people for Christ, then you're much more busy than God ever wanted you to be. Someone else will do it, or they won't. There's only, there, there are people in your life that only you can reach. I'm too young. How about the boy with five loaves and two fishes? I'm too old. Methuselah. He might have been a soul winner. <laughs> You're not too old. You have wisdom. It's been too long. Don't make it go any longer. I don't want to offend somebody. So you'd rather send them to a devil's hell. They're, they're, I've used excuses before. No excuse is good enough. Amen? Amen? No excuse will ever be good enough. And thank God that the person who reached you didn't have an excuse, didn't listen to an excuse, but got out of their comfort zone and did something. Throw all those excuses away. Each one, reach one. Me and Drake were talking a few days ago, and I'm finished with this. There's a song we sing in church sometimes called Brethren We Have Met to Worship. And it's a great song. It's kind of a fun one to sing. It's got some, some uh, speed to it. It's a, you know, and, and we sing it so often that we, you know, it's just a fun one to sing. It's got good harmonies in it. And we're talking about the second verse. You know, the first verse, brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray and holy man will be showered all around. Great song. Second verse, I've never thought about it. Really. And this is what it says. Brethren, see poor sinners round you, slumbering on the brink of woe. Death is coming. Hell is moving. Can you bear to let them go? See our fathers and our mothers and our children sinking down. It's a very dark verse of that song if you really think about it. It's powerful. Our fathers, our mothers, our children sinking down. Brethren, pray, and holy man will be showered all. I thought about that. Man, that, that's it. That's the, that, that is what's going on. There are people all around us 
dying going to hell. We have got to do something about it. We've got to do something about it. We have a job to do. Pastor Mark, could you come? I'm, I'm, I'm not done yet, so don't. 97, we're going to sing in just a minute. But I, I, want, I want to share this song with you. And we'll be done. We'll have the invitation. We'll be dismissed. Song 97, Pastor Mark. If, any, if I want anything to be accomplished in this morning's message, it's simply this. And you can begin playing whenever you get it, bro. I, I want each one of us to decide to reach one. To allow our hearts to get stirred. To listen, it, it's, it's easy. It's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to get busy. Brother Leonard, you're so busy with your job. We all work jobs. Listen, you're busy. I understand that. We have families. Some of you have young families. Life gets busy. But have we lost focus of what's really important? Have we lost focus of what's really important? He didn't die on the cross so we could keep it to ourselves. He didn't die on the cross just, listen, he would have died just for me. But he died for the whole world. And we can't expect lost people to tell others about Christ. We can't expect the Catholics to tell people about Christ. We can't expect the Muslims. Listen, it's up to us. So can you honestly say, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Why did he go to the cross? Because of love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. Listen, the lost world doesn't know the story. They're going to try to satisfy their longing with everything else. We have the truth. We have the story. I love to tell the story. More wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all her golden dreams. I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. It did so much for me. And that is just the reason I tell. That's, that's point number Point number one, look back at when Jesus saved you. Listen, it did so much for me, and that's the reason that I'm telling you. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story. For those who know it best, and that's us. We know the story. Many of us have known the story for a long time. We've been saved for a long time. For those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. Do you love that old story enough to tell someone else the old, old story? Listen, we live in a new generation, but it's the same old story that gets people to heaven. We live in a new generation with new technology and everything's new and everything's moving, but it's still the old, old story that gives people hope, that gives people peace, that gives people uh, success and joy and happiness. Do you love to tell it? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. 
one question this morning, or two. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you don't know the old, old story. If you die today, you don't know if you go to heaven, you don't know if you go to hell. You're not saved today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we can show you today how you can have an eternal home in a place called heaven. I don't want you to go to hell. Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to hell. We can give you hope. If you're here today and you say, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know where I would go if I died. But I'd like to know more about that. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see it right now? Raise up your hand and put it back down. Is anyone at all? I don't know if I'm saved. Anyone at all?